values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Public safety is a frequent topic on this show, especially policing. I come from a law enforcement family, um, and I am unapologetically pro-law enforcement, and it is a dangerous job. And one of the most dangerous things that a police officer can get themselves involved in is a domestic violence situation where uh, tempers flare. A lot of times there's alcohol and drugs involved. It is a dangerous situation because it is so unpredictable. There was a situation that happened over the weekend in which an officer was flagged down um, because of a domestic violence accusation, and this officer was brutally attacked. Joining us to fill in some of the gaps on this is the president of the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association. His name is Daryl Cripley, and Daryl, welcome back to the show. Hey, good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. Um, you and I had a conversation about this. Uh, I, I know we talked a little bit about this, but I, I'd like to get some more details because I'm going to give you my perspective. Um Whenever um, there is any kind of a misdeed by a police officer, they let their emotions get the best of them. They do something that is outside of policy. It seems to me that it's covered by everybody in the media and that it's a big deal is made of it. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be covered if cops do the wrong thing. But when a police officer is brutally attacked, it seems like more attention should be paid to the dangers of this job, especially what this officer endured. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, and I and I lay a lot of that, uh, the reasons for that on the fact that our police department releases, you know, very vanilla uh, media statements. And I don't know that the, the media truly understood the, the level of violence that this officer uh, but, that was inflicted on this officer on Sunday night. Well, let me but let me uh, and I'm I just going to ask the question, is it possible that the reason why the press release from PD is vanilla, so to speak, is because they don't want to jeopardize the case and the investigation and let some defense attorney try to get this guy off because of something that was said in a press release. It is possible. I mean, I, 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 I recognize that. Um, but at the same time, I mean, where is the outrage? How do we incite our our silent majority to come out and, and take a stand against the lawlessness that is that is happening on the streets of Phoenix? So let's talk about this specific. How much how much of this can you tell us about what happened? How much do you know of what happened? This officer, from what I understand, this officer was was kind of ambushed. He was sucker punched. He was. So, I'm sorry. So essentially, he 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 was waved down. Uh, he was thrust into a position, uh, which which it's common. I mean, we get waved down a lot uh, about crimes in progress or things that happen, um, and we deal with it. Um, well, the suspect showed up at this at this incident, and originally he he started to comply and, and asked to be taken into custody, and immediately changed his mind. And when the officer reengaged, he turned around and sucker punched him, and, and which rendered him unconscious. That first punch rendered him unconscious, and he, he fell to the ground. When you look the at... Problem is, is that, the, the problem is, is that then this, this lawless individual decided to straddle our officer and just continue to rain down punches on his head, creating such a severe injury to him. You know, And then when he was tired from, from punching him, he decided to give him one more face stop with his foot before running off. It was horrific. Was there nobody in the community that came to this officer's aid? Well, shortly after uh, the, the attack stopped and the, and the suspect ran off, there was a, a, a citizen who was in the area who ran over to help the officer, was doing what he could to try and summon help. Uh, I believe he was actually able to uh, put out some sort of radio transmission they needed help. But at the same time, the officer had already radioed that he was out with the uh, the female and needed another unit. So there was already units on the way. 
When something like this happens, um, whenever an officer is attacked like this, we as a society, at least from my perspective, would say that anybody that would attack a police officer is a different different level of dangerous. Um, this guy, how accountable is this guy going to be held, or is he being held? Well, you know, it's, it's funny that you ask. I mean, he was charged. Uh, he was put into, into jail, and the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, to their credit, was asking for a hundred thousand dollar cash bond on this guy. I mean, the level of violence that that he inflicted on this officer was like nothing we'd ever seen. At least I've never seen. Um, and then to just add insult to injury, the Maricopa County Commissioner, whose name is Ken Skiff, set the bond at a shockingly low sixty thousand dollars secured appearance bond, which essentially, with ten percent of sixty thousand, this gentleman, not gentleman, this suspect can get out of jail. I mean, it, it is just a kick to the gut of every officer that's out there putting their life on the line, uh, foregoing their own safety to try and uphold law and order in this city. See, for me, the the most egregious part of this right now that you're telling me is the fact that this guy ends up plunking down six thousand if he has it, and he walks at least until there's right. some kind of a trial. When I, I would imagine in any other situation, if the injuries were sustained like you described to any citizen, you would think that person would be a danger to anybody on the street. Never mind the fact that it was a law enforcement officer. Absolutely. I mean, he took advantage of the fact that yeah, it wasn't good enough for him to just get away after knocking the officer out. He stood there and he continued to assault this officer. I mean, it's just, it was so brutal. It's just almost hard to watch there. See the pictures. Um, plea President Daryl uh, Crippling is joining us. Is there um, is there body cam footage of this attack? Yes, there is. The officer had his body cam footage, uh, body cam activated. Uh, I'm sure that that footage won't come out for a while, uh, but, just because it's evidence. But I was going to say, but for evidentiary purposes, it's go. It can be used against the person, the suspect in this case. Yes. So. Um, what message? I mean, what do you want the Phoenix, even the Valley, because it's not just Phoenix PD. It's it's officers and deputies and troopers across the state of Arizona. What do people need to understand about situations like this? You know, honestly, I think every law-abiding citizen, anybody who lives in a, in, a uh, in, in society, should be incensed by the level of callousness and the uncontrolled rage that this suspect displayed and attacked our officer with. I mean, this is not an uncommon thing. We have you know officers assaulted every day, but to the level of depravity that this this suspect acted, it, it's unconscionable. And, and I think that. The, the people who support the police, support law and order, should stand up and, and be, be vocal about this. This is not what we accept in our community, that we won't accept this in our community. And they, they just need to start uh, to, to expressing those feelings. Can you give us an update on the officer's condition? Uh, last I heard, he's still in the hospital. He's still in the hospital. And how severe were his injuries? Do you have an update on any of, the, of how severe his injuries were? Both eye orbital bones were broken, broken nose, multiple lacerations to the back in the front of his uh, back of his head, front of his you know his face. Um, I, I, that's all I have for right now. Well, Daryl, I can hear the frustration in your voice, and it, it is uh, it is well placed. I just wanted to give a little, uh, I, more detail to the public because we've heard very little about this. And I think you're right. I think the law-abiding citizens out there, the back law enforcement, especially in the case of someone and this judge that decided that six thousand bucks was enough to let this guy to jail, we should start asking questions, especially when the county attorney's office asked for a hundred thousand dollar cash bond. 
I agree. And, you know, it's just so frustrating, Mike. I mean, I am just beyond pissed off about this situation. I mean, we're so quick to hold officers when we feel that they've done something wrong and in, in, in how they took someone into custody and somebody captured cell phone video. They're vilified. Right. But something like this, where an officer is just trying to serve his community and do the best that he can, is violently and viciously attacked. And it gets very little to no press coverage. And I think a lot of it has to do with the way the department put it out. But at the same time, this the community needs to become enraged with this. If this is allowed to continue, we're going to live in a lawless society very soon. Well said. And, Daryl, I appreciate the time. And please give that officer and his family our best. I will. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate right, thanks. it. That's Daryl Crippling. He's the head of the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association. And, and I'll say this. Um, uh, my dealings with the people at Phoenix PD from the top down have been very, very pro-cop in all of this. I can't imagine that everybody at Phoenix PD isn't furious about what happened. So the only assumption I can make is that if there was something, if there wasn't a lot of detail put in a press release, a lot of it has to do with evidence and investigations and how defense attorneys can use things. That's just my guess. Um, but I would say this to everybody in the community. Now that you've heard more detail about this, this is an opportunity for us to start asking questions about accountability both ways. This was a vicious, vicious attack. Coming up in a moment, uh, some school districts are considering arming teachers. Could it happen here in AZ? Others are arguing against it. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. As always, appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, School districts across America considering arming teachers in the aftermath of Nashville. Um, So superintendents across the country are asking, what do you do? Uh, What do you do if you actually have a killer in your school district shooting kids? Um, There is another question here. This is a a story from a website called Vox, the case against arming teachers. More good guys with guns wouldn't be enough and would likely make a lot of problems worse. Um, So that is uh, the competing theories. I will tell you that in any other situation you can think of, um, the Biden administration, from what we're understanding now, the Biden administration, uh, the president has signed an executive order. We are going to send troops down to the border in an advisory role, more good guys down there. They will be armed for self-defense. They're not going to be armed for battle. Um, whenever we have a situation where a dignitary is traveling, the president travels with a ve- – and I've been around this. The president travels with some very, very, very well-armed people. Um, I did an event with former President Bush where I got to see some of the behind-the-scenes things for my very first time. So the Secret Service agents you see when the president is out, and these are the men and women that have the earpieces in and are talking into their sleeves. They're well-dressed in suits. I'm sure they are armed, um, and they are the ones that are watching the crowd anywhere near the president. But what you don't see is the massive amount of arms that are behind the scenes in case something were to happen. The armament that follows a president or a dignitary is immense. 
Um, anytime there's a situation, let's talk about January 6th. I thought was a horrible uh, occurrence. Many people are still calling it an insurrection and that it was a horrible attack on the American government. What did we do in the aftermath of that? Nancy Pelosi, the then Speaker of the House, surrounded the Capitol building with a fence. So I guess fences and walls do work sometimes. And then Nancy Pelosi sent armed National Guard troops, I think 25,000 of them, for a couple of months to protect the U.S. Capitol building. There are Capitol Police within the Capitol building themselves. You have to walk through metal detectors to get into the Capitol office buildings, House and Senate. Um, so there are multiple levels of security to protect those very important people to America. There isn't anyone that I know of that doesn't believe that our children are our greatest asset. And when we have seen an uptick in crimes, violent crimes against kids, why are we not doing more? And many times these kids are the ones that are killing their classmates. Why aren't we? talking about how we secure schools. Do I believe having an armed police officer on a campus is the answer to the problem? Nope, it's not the solution. Is it part of the solution? It absolutely is. Having a team of people that are a response team Having a team of people that are responsible for threats that are coming in. We've been hearing more and more recently about threats being made and arrests being made of teenagers. There was a girl recently that was arrested because she graffitied her school and it said something about school shooting on Friday or something. When they found out who it was, they arrested this girl. When kids make threats, they are arrested, as they should be. But there has to be a threat assessment. There has to be someone that is in charge of collecting those threats and making sure you have an idea of who it is that's saying what they're saying to assess when it becomes serious enough. To have a response team of people that when something happens, they all have a responsibility to have a, the possibility of a choke point so that when people are entering campus, they have to go through one area. All of these things are, are ideas that have to work together. There is, you aren't going to put an armed police officer on a campus and solve that problem. But what you can do with armed police officers or armed people on campus is you can send a message to the students. Because one of the things that's overlooked in all of this is it isn't just about a mass shooting. I've got pictures and videos of in the Phoenix Union High School District, students carrying firearms. Students, the kids are dumb. We all understand that kids are dumb. And these kids are taking pictures of themselves with firearms in classrooms or at least in buildings on, on high school campuses that can be identified as that high school's campus. And they're posting those pictures on social media. There are administrators that are finding firearms. There are administrators that are finding fentanyl. There are all of these things are happening. You're just not being told about it. Having law enforcement on campus is another level of making sure that stuff doesn't happen. There has been an uptick in violence and weapons on campuses. Why aren't we talking about metal detectors in our schools? Why anybody says you're going to make schools look like a prison, G guns, more death. You're being ridiculous. And the people know they're being ridiculous in any situation we've ever been in. When more security is necessary, good guys with guns are the answer. Look at we just hosted the Super Bowl. Are you kidding did you happen to see the security? Did you go down to the NFL experience at the at the convention center downtown? I was there. It was wall-to-wall -wall cops. 
in uniform with weapons on them. And I guarantee you there were more officers than you could see that were behind the scenes protecting it, especially at the game itself. From the FBI to local law enforcement to state law enforcement, we had protection throughout every event that was going on with the Super Bowl. And yet we're not going to – we say guns are a bad way to protect kids. It's, it's foolish. It is absolutely foolhardy. In a moment, a judge denies the city of Phoenix Day to clean up the zone. I, one of our legal analysts here and a host at KTAR explains what this judge said. You'll hear it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. I can see her lying back in her satin dress In a room where you do what you don't confess Sundown, you better take care If I find you creeping around my backstage Hey, thanks for being here. Sad day for music fans. It's a sad week for music fans. Ting Bachman, Bachman Turner Overdrive, passed away at the age of 71, 84 years old. Gordon Lightfoot passes away. Very Music from my childhood. Um, I can still tell you where I was when these songs were playing. It was pretty amazing. Um, so sad day in the music world. I uh, want to give you some good news. Here's an opportunity. Hottest ticket in town is still Suns tickets. And uh, we are going to be giving away some. And if you'd like to qualify, we call a name at 7 a.m., 11 a.m., and 4 p.m. hours uh, on Wednesday. If you get registered by texting the word ticket to 411923, that's ticket to 411. 92.3. Mm. I could listen to that. I could listen to Gordon Lightfoot still every day. Timeless as far as I'm concerned. Just a great writer and singer. Just a terrific career. Um, a judge denies uh, Phoenix's stay on the ruling to clean up the zone. So uh, Barry Markson is a lawyer. He's also a host here at KTAR and kind of broke this down and talked about this rejection. I, wanted, I want you to hear from him and we'll talk through this. The court rejected the city's motion to stay the proceeding, which in essence was asking the court to remove the deadline of July 10th for the city to clear out the zone and do the other things ordered by the court in its prior preliminary injunction order. So what did they find? The city did not present any new information or arguments uh, beyond what was presented in their original case uh, and instructed the city uh, to continue its efforts. So uh, he goes on a couple of more cuts from Markson, and then I'm going to I'm going to comment on what's happening here. And this is about Phoenix not doing its job. But the evidence was that prior to judicial intervention, the city of Phoenix was not doing anything to take care of the zone or its residents. So now what about the immediacy and the immediate help that's needed? Judge also finds that the abhorrent conditions in the zone are worthy of immediate action, regardless of what the Court of Appeals decides. See, and this is where the issue is that, you know, the legal system, when it works as it's supposed to, is blind. Uh, And I've talked about Lady Justice. We have all seen the representation, the statue wearing the robe, holding up the balance scales and is blindfolded. That is the way our justice system is not supposed to cater to one group of people or another. It is not supposed to be harsh on one group of person, people over another. And and we know that that has not always been the case. We know that there have been people that have been treated unfairly. But our laws are supposed to protect everyone. If you're a business owner or a resident near the zone, why should you have to tolerate what the rest of us wouldn't? 
I'm, I'm being very serious about this. If there was somebody camped out in a tent on my street with drug paraphernalia and prostitution going on and they were relieving themselves in the street, I would call Phoenix police. They would come and take those people away. It would be that simple. That they would be told they can't do that. If they were caught with drugs or drug paraphernalia, they would be arrested. If prostitution was happening, they would be arrested. That's how the laws work. Now, for every the people out there that talk about, well, where are people supposed to go? I'm with you. I, I truly am. When it comes to homelessness, it has a. I have a special place in my heart for what we can do for people that find themselves without a home. Especially if it is the people that are desperately trying to get out of that situation. Even if they're the ones that made a mistake and got themselves in that situation. When they want to get out in the society we live in with the amount of wealth that we have in this country and opportunity, anybody who wants to have a place to live should be able to have a place to live. We do understand that some people are caught up in a vicious cycle that they can't get out of. And we need to be making um, those distinctions. I think we can set up as a society, and I think the private sector is much better at this, at assessing the people that are looking to get out of a bad situation and assisting them in working their way out of that bad situation. There are going to be people, whether through mental illness, drug abuse, a combination of the two, whatever it is, that they don't want help. That's a whole different set of circumstances that must be dealt with in a different way. But we can figure out who the people are that want help and get them help. That's a huge start. But regardless of that, the people that own businesses in this part of our city should not have to suffer the way they've been suffering with lack of business, to have their businesses destroyed, to have the streets around where we live destroyed by people that are absolutely abusing the law. It has become and it's a microcosm of what happens when lawlessness is allowed. Because what you see are the people that are more vulnerable are getting preyed on. So you have people that are homeless, that are older, that are weaker, that are sick, and they're, they're preyed upon. The predators prey upon them. There's sexual assault. There's physical abuse. There's theft, robbery, murder. And nothing has been done. Now, I've said this before. The city of Phoenix, I believe them when they say they misinterpreted a a federal court's decision on this. But now that they know what's going on, they've got to do something. I don't blame this judge for saying we're not going to give you a stay because it's been going on for too long. If you focus on the homeless people themselves only – It's different. When you look at the good citizens, the people that live around there, the businesses around the zone, then all of a sudden the picture becomes a little bit different. We we can't leave those people out. And there are those among us that say – I'm being hard-hearted, and anybody that's ever had an, a conversation in private with me about homelessness, I am not hard-hearted about homelessness. But we cannot tolerate what's happened. Not just the police, all of us as a society. It is hard enough to start a business and keep a business going. You should not have to face what they are facing in that area. And the community should stand up and say that. The community should stand up and say it's not acceptable. And the people that want help should get help. And the people that don't have to understand it's not going to be tolerated that you're doing drugs and committing crimes and relieving yourself in public, that we're not going to tolerate that here as a society. You have to make different choices.
And if there's a mental health issue with some people, that can be addressed as well. But you can't just ignore it anymore. I don't think the court's wrong here at all. In a moment, um, the culture war. There are people that are trying to point out the culture war when it comes to gender and identity, and they are being called upon to be fired for the way they're protesting. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, get registered for the hottest ticket in town. We have got Suns playoff tickets available. Just text the word ticket to 411923. On Wednesday, we are going to get uh, call names in the 7 a.m. hour, 11 a.m. hour, and 4 p.m. hour. If you hear your name, you call in, you're registered, you just might win those tickets. Text ticket to 411923. So I I want to explore this. One of the people, it's interesting, some of the people that are most outspoken on this topic. I was just watching some videos of uh, of Bill Maher having a conversation about biological males in women's sports and how it's destroying women's sports. He was talking to Bob Costas. Um, I've been watching uh, Piers Morgan, who has been – uh, ranting about this topic and saying that he identifies as a – what did he say? A a penguin? and people called him and said that he was being insulting to trans people. And the point that he, everybody that's doing this is trying to make is that if you can simply say you're something and everybody else has to drop everything they're doing and agree with you, then anybody can be anything at any time. And I've asked this question myself, but I want to get into a few details of what other people have done. And then we're going to talk about the fallout. A 70-year-old bearded man wins a ladies' world poker tour event in Florida at the Seminole Casino in Fort Lauderdale. This guy won this event. He entered because he said he can identify as a woman if he wants to, and they let him play. A councilman in Indiana... Um, was uh, is a was born a Caucasian male, but he said he recently came out as a lesbian woman of color and pushed back on calls for him to resign after he also reportedly received death threats. Um, the Delaware County Councilman Ryan Webb announced he is now identifying as a Native American and uh, he is uh, purports to have selected the Cherokee ancestry. And uh, he also said that um, he is trying to honor uh, is honored that to shatter the glass ceiling and would be a vocal partner with the LGBTQIAPC++ community and people are outraged at his statement and I, I'll be honest, I don't know what they're outraged about. Is it because he's, he's pointing out the absurdity of just saying you're something? Um, there is a woman named Rachel Dolezal. You've heard the name, I'm sure. He was, she was a Caucasian woman that posed as an African American woman and rose up through the ranks of the NAACP until she was found out that she was actually Caucasian and then she was ostracized, thrown out of the organization and had to go in a different direction with her life. Um, We know that Elizabeth Warren, the senator, spent a big part of her life claiming that she was Native American. When it was found out she wasn't Native American, she was accused of culturally appropriating an identity of Native American and she was criticized by a lot of people for what she did. Why and again, why can't you say that? If you grew up 
in a let's say you are white and you grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood why couldn't you say i identify with this culture because this is where i grew up this is my culture so i am forever from now on i want to i'm going to put african american on job applications i'm going to put and because that's what i identify as why is it only a gender thing it is and i'm not at all trying to be insulting to someone who is trans as a matter of fact i think the reverse is true i think it's insulting to women and i think it's insulting to the people that are truly trans that have lived their lives in confusion that have lived their lives in turmoil that have made the decision to go through the process when it comes to doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists and surgeries and all the other things that are that they do when they're adults to uh live as the person that they believe they are as opposed to some kid so you've got kids now in elementary school that we are counseling to be trans. There's a bill that's out, and, and, and this I may talk about this in another context later. Um, I think it's in Wisconsin that they would allow children to serve alcohol. In certain circumstances where kids would be allowed, because when I was a kid, I worked in a bar in a restaurant when I was 15 years old. Um, I was supposed to be 16, but I was 15 years old, 16 years old. I wasn't allowed to serve alcohol, but I filled the ice, stocked the coolers, made sure I washed the glasses. I did all that stuff, but I couldn't touch. I couldn't serve the alcohol, couldn't make the drinks. Couldn't do any of that. It was against the law. And there are people now that want to make it legal for minors under certain circumstances to serve alcohol. And there's a great number of people that are furious that we are doing this. And I thought, well, you're letting them pick their gender. You're letting kids change their gender. You are letting you are saying that children should be able to circumvent their parents, go to a doctor and start taking hormone blockers and all of these other things. And in some cases, going to the extreme of surgery as children, that's allowable. This is where we've gone off the deep end. And if you want to call whatever name somebody wants to call me, you can call me whatever you want. I can promise you I am not transphobic, phobic. I have no phobias of any human being. But common sense dictates that what's happening right now is ridiculous. And when people point out the absurdity by being absurd, that's the way life is. So this guy in Indiana gets death threats. So, again, Death threats are okay now because of this situation, but we don't want to release the uh, the the statements being made by the shooter in Nashville because it might jeopardize other trans people and other people might make death threats. But in this case, death threats are warranted because this guy is making fun of trans people. It, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd, and I'm glad people are finally pointing it out. Um, coming up, if you didn't hear earlier, uh, Bernie Sanders believes that there's such a thing as having too much money. And he believes they have the right to confiscate 100% of some people's wealth. We'll talk about it next.